You ready for this? Yeah, man. <laughs> Hello, uh, my name is William Burnett, and uh, I'm sitting here with uh, Matt McDermott, and uh, you're watching Talk Video. Um, what's up, man? How's it going? Oh, it's going well. It's good to be here. Um, you know, I've been excited about this project, so uh, and I like talking to you. It's uh, strange. Usually you're the one asking the questions. That's true. I kind of have a problem with that. Like uh, when I'm, when the few times I've been in an instance like on like a radio show or something where somebody's trying to ask me questions, I like quickly do some kind of mental judo. <laughs> you switch to interview mode. Yeah, I'm going to try to avoid that in this instance. It's okay. I, you can do that if you want, but uh, we'll, I'll just direct it the other way, hopefully. Um, but uh, so uh, a little introduction um uh mr mcdermott I, this this show uh, for those if you if you, this is your first episode tuning in um it's a it's called talk video it's a, a podcast video podcast and it's about a, a music or or some sort of a whatever's going on and i haven't there's not even a name for whatever the scene is now um and uh you your position at this point is it's been a long road and you've been involved in many facets along the way and uh but right now you're you're a writer um, and that's at a at a big big establishment. Um, yeah, you're a writer for resident advisor, and that and that's your main daily activity. You're also playing in a band. You're the keyboard player uh, for a folk singer named Jessica Pratt. That's correct. And uh, and you're so you're traveling around. You're um, reviewing music and uh, you're checking stuff out. And you're also when they let you, you get to go on tour, and and you're the the, the backup band. That's exactly correct. That's a. I, I didn't even know you knew all that. So yeah, man. Yeah, I yeah. go I go deep, and and yeah. uh, so um, we're gonna go. I I I don't think I even did. I even give you the link. Have you seen one of these before? I haven't. No, seen. No, I didn't. Oh, I, I sh- I've seen the preview. That's it. Oh, I should have sent you a link because usually I, what I do is I go back and I I talk, kind of figure out your history, like what what tapes you were buying at the mall and stuff like that, um, and uh go from there and then kind of whatever direction happens and then at the end you get drunk and then you're like oh what am i talking about so perfect so that's what um so you're you're a you're a jersey jersey right actually suburbs of philadelphia philly oh, yeah, oh. yeah. But close they're, to, close they're very similar jersey. right yeah they are like i mean anywhere where there's a wawa anywhere where it's called a hoagie um you know anywhere where like kind of uh like a blue collar underdogism um like mike Vallely. oh yeah Val- yeah Vallely. yeah but he's a california guy isn't he no man no he's the east coast yeah yeah no i'm just i don't that's what i picture i was like i was gonna say bruce springsteen but that doesn't even work at all i think that totally works i mean i think that springsteen was a massive enough figure that anybody who had anything to do with jersey at least <laughs> like partially modeled their personality after after the boss and I mean, I mean are you a fan i don't know i don't mind it i don't i never i tried there's like that one record what is it the river is it what's it called is that the one the one that people talk about is nebraska nebraska yeah, that's yeah. It. and and it's the one they're like oh they were he was recording it next to suicide and it sounds like suicide and i tried to listen to it a bunch of times but the last time i heard it i finally i think it was in a skateboard video or something mm. and i heard it again and i was like oh all right, maybe I'll try it again. Like, sometimes it takes me a while. No, understood. You know, I, there's actually a funny story about suicide and the boss that maybe you might be aware of. You, you probably are. But uh, when, 
you know his cover of Dream Baby Dream. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're a fan of that cover? I don't know. Well, it was, it's pretty, it, it, it's a little Elvis or something. It is, but, uh, but I think Martin Rev said, that's the biggest honor I've ever had in my life. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that Springsteen covered the, covered the tune, you know? And, um, yeah, it was nice. So that's where you're from, New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, uh, man. Easter As- Asbury Park. Uh, no, but you're, so you're from, some, from outside of Philly. Yeah, I grew up in a little town called Havertown. And, um, you know, it was the closest thing to, like, it, w- it was a staunchly middle class kind of Catholic uh, private s- suburb. Yeah, uh, I, I ended up going to a private Christian school, actually. Sweet. Is it all boys? It was not all boys. It was co-ed, but but Ooh. like uh, you know, fairly yeah, it was pretty sexy. But uh, but <laughs> now, do you have to wear uniforms? It uh, there was a dress code, so like you'd have to tuck in your shirt. I I was like, I had like a bit of a row with the administration over the l- the length of my hair. Um, it couldn't go past your collar, um, <coughs> or, or or cover your ears. It could, yeah, it couldn't it's cover like your It's ears. like the that's swimming right. pool rules. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> How we, did you also go no, to... No, no, okay. no, that's the, it's the exactly the same rules to go into a swimming pool, like if you have to wear a cap or not. Oh, really? Maybe that's what they were going by. Yeah, maybe they were going <laughs> by swimming rules. Because they knew you were going to get in the pool. Yeah, totally. No. <laughs> um, but, but did you have brothers and sisters? I had two brothers, um, it, tying back to the sort of like religious upraising i have two younger brothers their names are mark and luke so it's matthew mark and luke holy jesus in in order of the gospel holy jesus I, d- I don't know if you've you've like you've you've observed like me <laughs> attempting to be like a christ-like personality but you know that's where it's from yeah. interesting no i mean I, I think that's a pretty uh uh there's like a, the irish catholic philly kind of thing it's yeah, a, it's totally. A, it's a real, real deal. Yeah, um, yeah. You know about it a little bit, not that much. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I, yeah, we didn't have that where I'm from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> understood. So what, what? I mean, so you, gen, you. This is general. You had these general, general, uh, like a elementary school, like get beat up and uh, yeah, fighting with your brothers over your remote control or whatever, whatever toys. stupid thing. Um, do you remember a, a point where like music became an interesting thing in your life or, or where it was like a, you're like realized it was cool or you weren't, you were into it? Yeah. Um, I was always interested in music and I, th- we always had a piano in my house and I think that, um, my mother, my mother's Asian and that means that a general Asian, she's Taiwanese. Okay. She moved, um, from Taiwan to the suburbs of Philadelphia to study computer science in like 1975. She had like $20 in her pocket so when how she, she arrived. So she was 20 or something when she moved? Or yeah, about that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but yeah, sh- I guess I was like messing around with like a Disney melody mm-hmm. on the piano. And she's like, oh, we got to get this kid in piano <laughs> lessons. We figured him out. Yeah. So, uh, but then be- became that then that like started this long period where I was forced to practice like an hour a day oh, and, and it would be, you know, she was getting you to that 10,000 hours. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was like the source of like stress, you know, it's like, have she, has she seen you play? Yeah, she has. What'd she say? Was it weird? 
Um, yeah, she came to the Philadelphia show that we played recently, and I think she enjoyed it. I, I mean, I don't know if they connect it to that. Like, I don't know if it's the same for you, but with your parents, like, the idea of being really into music, at least in, like, a free sense, like, you're not trying to be, like, a uh, concert violinist or something. It's, it's always, like... Oh, that's like a terrible fucking idea, you know? Like you're you're into like records and and <laughs> nightlife and like get a job. Yeah, exactly. So so you know, it's 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 been like a long journey through that to like, oh, you're actually like s- s- like cobbling together a living doing Is your dad you like. is your dad conservative too or He's conservative. He reads the New Yorker these days in the Atlantic, so he's gotten like less conservative as time has gone on. But uh, but if you, if you had to put my mother into some sort of cliched cliche, like it would be like she's like a tiger mother, like you know, like you gotta you gotta. What's the point of doing it if you're if you're not fulfilling yeah. your potential? You know, I'm, I'm all for that too. Yeah, is that how you would be if you were if you were a father? I'd be a tiger. Tiger mom too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, that's. I mean, I was a. For those, I guess I probably said this. I was a swim coach for a long time, and that was one of the things I said. Like, if you're gonna be here, you may as well, you know, make the most of your time. Otherwise, we're just, just leave. You know, like, what's the point? So that I mean, I understand that uh, that point of view. Like, if you're gonna do it, try, try. You know, otherwise, you're just. Uh, yeah. Waste. I mean, this is. The, I, this goes back. One of my friends the other day said. Uh, uh, he's also, I think, his family's also Taiwanese, and he was saying that his brother told them the other day that you're, you're either there's two states of being: you're either bored or you're suffering. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, and I've been thinking about it a lot, and it's kind of true. So um, I don't know, but so as a kid, your mom made you do piano lessons, and and was that you were trying to play? You said a Disney song. Yeah, I was trying to pick out some kind of Disney song. I don't, I obviously don't remember. And it. you're what? You're like five. Seven or, oh, five. really little, yeah, yeah, really yeah, little. small. And and so you're so so little bitty kid, uh, p- piano lessons with what do you remember your teacher? Yeah, um, I I eventually was enrolled in this this uh, like it was called the Nelly Berman School of Music, and it was these like Russian Jewish women who were like just as tough, but also like nurturing as as my mother was, and it was just like this this odd relationship where you know it it, it was just like no slouch style you know where it, it's it's like uh you know there were kids in there who were just virtuosic and i was just trying to like get by but they would know very quickly if i hadn't put in the work and so played played classical i've never been like as nervous to perform music in my life as in a classical recital and eventually just to skip forward so we're not yeah. dwelling on this small small moment even though it was like elementary and middle school i i I decided that i wanted to try to play jazz because i i thought that would be more relaxed and and at that point i like got into like bill evans and like and what is this is like 12 13 yeah about that so you so but is was there you had this piano thing with the mom was there any kind of like a you know were you buying like a motley crew tapes or or i don't know how old you are we're almost I'm 35. 35. You're oh, so you're yeah. little. You didn't. You weren't buying tapes. Maybe CDs. Yeah, but I would. For me, it was like uh, I guess like around that time, it was the classic Columbia House 13 CDs, uh, 13 CDs for uh, 
Yeah, some some one G- cent. Some uh, some uh, what is it? Ned's Atomic Dustbin or or Live or it, something. Yeah, it was just like a mix of like just like indefensible crap, like you know, just to like, fill up that eleventh. Like, yeah, like it was like oh, the, I like those Blues Traveler songs on the radio. I should get that CD. But then like I I actually like hit it with one or two purchases, which was like a train spotting soundtrack. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you but that has like Brian Eno, yeah, yeah. Pulp, Underworld, like that one's actually Lou Reed. Like that You can still listen to it to this day. Iggy Pop, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a strong soundtrack. And you know, if it was the internet era, I probably would have like found some wormholes to follow there. But but to be honest, like the cool bands I was into in high school were like something like Big Star which I found through like Wilco covering one of their songs or just like very early like Napster days. I I didn't really like fully start to participate in any kind of DIY culture. So so time frame, this is like late nineties. Yeah. This is like 99, 2000. 2000. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then 2001, I went out to school in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So your, your childhood there, there's not, I mean the piano thing, it was just kind of a, regular you weren't like going to punk rock shows or or no i didn't i didn't really taking ecstasy and going to raves (laughs) i was i was just like had like a really boring suburban existence you 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 weren't aware of like josh wink or something like that no no i mean i guess no i was aware of 611 records and you were like what is all this stuff yeah and i was like i was like oh like raver stuff like what is acid jazz you know, that sounds kind of cool. What is, what is that? And, and then like, you listen to it and it sucks. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but, but like 611, like, I mean, Philly had like a, that store was serious. Did yeah. you, did you ever go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, but it wasn't until I moved to Pittsburgh that I really just took it upon myself. So you went to Pittsburgh for college. Yeah, exactly. And, and then like, I kind of like, uh, I think I was into like the strokes and like, Bell and, Bell and Sebastian and oh stuff. Yeah. They were like all like coming Maybe out. Maybe a little magnetic fields. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Like or like, uh, but then like people, I looked a certain way, so people thought I was like into music. They're like, you like the Rapture. Yeah, yeah. So they they, what, they weren't out yet, but oh. like they they started inviting me to shows. Okay. But then like, I took it upon myself, and I still remember like the first show I went to. It was uh, like at an art gallery, and was it Manny Tellerama? Oh, dude, I know. I used to. <laughs> I have so many Manny. Shout out to Manny Tellerama. Manny Tellerama booked uh, Will. Did, did D- he stab you? DJ TLR. Yeah, that's <laughs> a big rumor with him is he got out a box cutter at a show that somehow like yeah. traveled to. Showing uh, a knife. Oh, yeah. Uh, Manny and I, I used to drive Manny around and work the door for him. I actually. like him. He seems cool, man. Manny, you can get along with everybody. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, you don't like. No, he's a freak, and he. I think he really contributed. You know, like whether or not he treated people, may, maybe did some things that weren't right. He still was a big part of the Pittsburgh scene. Like people, he got bands to play there. Oh, it's, it's that you never would would have played any other, or they might have come another way. But he was definitely involved in a lot of bands coming there. Oh, it's it, his his uh, influence is massive, and. Just just for a quick background here, we're speaking about a a promoter. infamous Pittsburgh promoter named Manny Thiner, and, and he's booked Will on various Creme International tours. I think the first one was maybe in 2005, but he was also responsible for 
the first Nirvana show in Pittsburgh, uh, like stuff like Faust or Royal Trucks. Um, but he has zero social graces and he cares about sound, but he doesn't care about the cleanliness of his venue or just like any, any, no creature comforts. And for a while he was like living in the basement of his venue. And, and so he's, he's like sort of like made out to be this kind of like a basement dweller, music nerd figure and like he he's like a real snob like i remember one time i was going to see a show and i think it was like an animal collective show and maybe 2003 before they had become a uh, household name yeah before they had they were just like kind of aimlessly playing acoustic guitars at the time the campfire songs era and uh we showed up at the at the concert and he was like yeah we're here for the show and manny was like you sure you know, it's like it's like, like classic like disdain for for the audience. You know, gatekeeper. That's the the the, the, the trigger word now, right? Yeah, I think he w- he was a gatekeeper. You know, we need him. I think we need him. You know, I'm not allowed to say that, but yeah, yeah. We w- the world needs gatekeepers, just like the world needs uh, ditch diggers. That's what. You <laughs> well, that, uh, yeah. I mean, whatever. You know, yeah. people can you know do what you got to do. Yeah. If you don't like it, don't go, you know. Totally. Um, it's, um, so <laughs> so you were in Pittsburgh, and you went to every Manny Tellerama show. I would and just you drove going to shows. You started going to shows. Yeah. And what, what what were you studying in college? Just I curious. Was, I was writing. studying uh, English writing. Oh, so yeah. yeah. And uh, history. history. And I, I thought I was going to, like, I was, like, very attracted to the idea of, uh, like, being a sort of, like, introspective person and trying to write fiction. That was my idea. What, well, like what, uh, science fiction or just a just like fant- just like kind of like a like um, Stephen King. No, not not <laughs> Stephen King. <laughs> I guess I guess like I would be like uh, Mark, into like Mark Twain. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tried to write allegorical political fiction. No, it was uh, like introspective stuff, like a like a Tobias Wolf or like a Raymond Carver oh, or like just like very simple. But those are American impactful stories. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And and um I didn't have any uh I I, I had no business writing fiction. Well you never you never yeah. know un- until you try. Yeah, you know? totally. So why not? Um so you're you're going to these shows in in, in two thousand between you're at school between after nine eleven. You're in you're in college in Pittsburgh. Yeah, nine eleven happened like six days after I got to school. And then was that weird there? Yeah, it was it was odd. There was like you were between you were between like DC and and New York. Yeah, and then then there was the flight that went down in the middle of Pennsylvania as well. Yeah, yeah. Was that flight four or three? Where was where was that one supposed to go? I don't remember. I don't know, but it was it was like a heroic. Oh, the 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 crowd took took over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, that tripped me out, man. Like especially coming from such a sheltered environment, I was probably like just like smoking a lot of weed at the time and probably in like a, a fragile mental state in general like um but yeah yeah that was that was that was weird and but that that's, so that's sure like wasn't that's like your, your freshman year of, mm-hmm. of high school i mean college, college yeah, so yeah yeah that's got to be pretty weird so you get there and you're like oh everything's cool and then uh, oh wait we can be attacked or something totally um so that i just want to that's like a, a good time marker for me so i can relate to years um uh, so 2001 to four to five you're in school you're doing english lit 
you're you're getting good grades and uh going to shows did you ever did you start traveling much or did you join any bands because you're this great piano player i started a band uh it was called harangue and like the better parts of it were like kind of like uh almost sounded like synth pop with like like an affected 80s kind of like almost like joseph k like postcard records type of like more twee side of post-punk kind of thing and then the bad parts were like that's not a song that's just like four complex piano parts like kind of stitched together and i was playing with these guys you know that were my friends and that band lasted for a while actually we put out a wang harangue harangue yeah h-u-r-a-n-g h-a-r-a-n-g-u-e it means to like to to go on a tirade harangue yeah and all the bands were so heavy in Pittsburgh. Like, it was like, if you weren't, like, a loud band, it was... And th- this was the time of that uh, zombie... Yeah, zombie was going uh, out. What, Japanther and that stuff? or Japanther was from mm-hmm. uh, New York, but but that what? that sort of feel... Lightning Bolt, but that's Baltimore. Lightning Bolt is uh, uh, yeah, Providence. Not Providence, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Oh. But, yeah, that, that sort of stuff. Like, I remember... That's, that's the time. Yeah, I was seeing, like... Uh, Memorable shows from that time include like, yeah, Lightning Bolt, <laughs> Wolf Eyes, uh, oh, Wolf Eyes, yeah, like that that sort of thing. And then everybody was really into like math rock. In but Pittsburgh. were you touring with that stuff or just playing local shows? A few like we we would play like bigger local shows here and there, and we play like I try to set up a tour, and we play like a an Ethiopian restaurant in Philadelphia, or um, sounds about right. You know, a, a bar that nobody was at in Akron, Ohio, or mm, you I've know, been like there, been there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, like that that sort of thing. It's good. It's form formative, you know. Yeah, you have to like. I I also appreciated. I appreciate scenes that are still supportive, even though you you fail a lot. <laughs> you know, like they they like. But wh- how is that a failure? You went to the venue, you got there, and you played. But I mean, you're you're not good. So like, the, you get years to become something approaching good in front of people. You sound like a tiger mom. And they still, <laughs> <laughs> but they still like end up. You can still convince your friends to like show up and like support you, and then eventually, like three or four years later, when you can actually like you figure out how to make your instruments sound good and yeah. sound good as a band. It's like, but that sort of patience is, is, is cool. Yeah. I mean, but yeah. behind every success story, they generally have a story like that, you know, like they, we went to Akron and played and it sucked. And then we did it for a long time and now we're popular. Totally. So, I mean, it's just, it's a, one of the steps along the way. So, um, harangue, harangue. Yeah. Harangatang. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, so 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 you finished was it was was like a um I know there's the two record stores uh uh I can't remember Jerry's, Jerry's and the Attic yes and uh but they're not really it's the same as New York it doesn't really there's no new records it's like a used record kind of scene yeah that's a used record scene there were there were a few stores selling new stuff at the time <coughs> but it was kind of but a downfall. That was like a yeah. This is a weird time. Yeah. And uh, so, were you buying music? Were you're you're not into the boom boom so much. Yeah. At that time, I started. I was basically like, I would start listening. I had this job in like a computer lab at school, so that taught me to waste like. Yeah, with a T one connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
I would listen to WFMU a lot. Okay. And I was really into like uh, beats in space. Yeah, I got into beats in space, and and that that um, I was interested in the DJs that like uh, Tim was bringing on, like like love fingers or like this this Balearic oh, sound the blog blog era. yeah like this Balearic kind of thing like seemed like a natural step just because it it's still like it's not just machine music a lot of times it's like uh more melodic or there's like a live bass or some live drums on it but uh I remember Tim played that like uh Delia and Gavin remix of or Carl Craig remix the of Revelé. yeah the Revelé and that was like a big track for him that yeah. he, he talks about and I think he had to talk over it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I got into like, you're like, Oh wait, that's techno or something. Yeah. Yeah. And I was it's like, it's not terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, I, I think like I was into like compact stuff like Dettinger and that sort of thing. Like, um, probably like Michael Mayer and that, that sort of thing. And I, I was interested in, um, I was interested in this because I, I had started to like really start to try to find out about music and yeah. I was into like Krautrock and experimental music and this sort of thing and I knew that there was all this dance music that I would like but I didn't really know how to go about yeah, digging yeah. for it. Yeah, yeah, I mean it sounds like you had a pretty similar path to to me. I you know I, I listened to a lot of indie rock and stuff. I mean I knew about this like throbbing gristle and can and you know and I'm on duel before I knew about Derek May. Likewise, or, or, you know, so I, yeah, I, I, it sounds like a similar. I was just a little bit older than you, so had a different path. Um, like, because by the time, or n- you know, whatever, late nineties, I was already like, okay, I, you know, these records are cool, and boom, boom, boom. So, <laughs> um, it's just it sounds like it was a similar, you know, suburban white boy path or whatever, you know, like that's a, it, um, or conservative family. Um, <laughs> Yeah, man, you got me. You got me pegged. Not really, but we'll see. Um, so, so this is you finish school. It sounds like pretty pretty normal, and and now you're like, okay, this boom 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 thing is going on, and and uh, I don't is that I don't remember the first time I met you. I can't. It was around that. It was li- much later than that, probably 2010 or something. Yeah, something like that. So what what you were in Pittsburgh working? Yeah, I after was wor- school. I was working as a. I had like a job at a nonprofit um, where we, with like this guy who was essentially a criminal. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah, and um, <laughs> but we did some interesting stuff. Like we <laughs> we made a um, what was his name? Oh, sorry. It was. Um, <laughs> you don't have to. But but we made a documentary about like a civil and labor rights activist, and like I ended up getting really into like labor and union activism and this sort of stuff so then i got a job at a law firm that would represent like say like uh freight car workers that got laid off from the factory in bethlehem pennsylvania and and what you're with your degree in in english literature and history they somehow let me in there you know Um, (laughs) like he can use punctuation yeah yeah exactly like or he can like put stuff in a binder or something (laughs) Uh, but but yeah around then like 2007 i I was hanging out with this guy who makes records for Sonic Groove now under the name Realms and he would just burn me CDs and I remember one of them was like I remember that was the era where you burn CDs and one of them said like old with an E old school Detroit and then like one said like like classic Chicago tracks and he just like gave me all these CDs and then 
he's like, hey, we're going to Detroit to festival. go to the festival, and we're staying at the Shoreline. Maybe I met you then. Maybe briefly, man, but probably not. Because you would, would you stay at the... Sh- I stayed at the Shoreline the first year I went. What yeah. year was that? 2004? 2007. Oh, seven. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, okay, yeah. so... But you were doing the WT party there. No, I, oh, maybe then, but no, because I, I met a... Somehow, the first year I went... We stayed at the shore line, mm-hmm. and next door was like Sean Rudiman and and all them. But then in the same building, it was like Stinkworks and Minto, like from down low, mm. and uh, Convection was there too. And then, but like uh, Sean was with uh, Juwan and uh, Tom Kurt Cox. and Kurt, and oh, yeah. I think Tom Cox, Cox was there too. And we were all just like, and somehow we like all became friends. We like realized we had been on the same forums. Oh, that's cool. And those were like Pittsburgh dudes. Yeah, man, tech tech noir audio, yeah, yeah. And, and they gave me like a tech noir promo. I was like, oh, cool, my yeah, first yeah, promo. Yeah. You know, really, that was like the I, first. I don't know if it was my first yeah. promo, but it was a, it's like so somebody walking at a festival give you a. Yeah, I remember like going into their room, and for some reason there was, like, this is like the, uh, the close one of the closest. Uh, cheap hotels to the festival yeah um i don't and there's bullet holes in the curtains and yeah, stuff. Like yeah yeah but i walked into the room and there was just like a 303 sitting there for some reason and i had like never really seen this this piece of machinery but that year i saw like rhythm and sound 2007 yeah i want to say that like yeah so i saw rhythm and sound mills close that one it wasn't one of the ones that had like snoop dog or, or Craftwork or something. No, that was that was later when they really start to <laughs> started to. They had like wacky stuff like uh, like be- Bad Boy Bill and like it was before pa- it was. I can't remember. I get them all mixed up. It was it was not free anymore though. That was no. like the one that like I think the Det- I can't remember. I don't know. I it was one of the first ones they charged money for. Yeah, yeah. yeah so because I remember. But it, it was before Paxahow charged no, money. No, Paxahow took over. I believe that year actually, yeah. two thousand seven. I only know this because I interviewed them recently okay. for my uh, for my day job as a as oh. a music journalist. Oh, we're getting there. <laughs> uh, S- yeah, but saw Moody Man, saw Rhythm and Sound, saw Mills, like like. Um, and you so y- the guy from you went with the dude from Sonic Groove. Helms. Helms. Realms. 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 I don't know. That. Yeah. I sort of heard the name, but I didn't really. I don't. I don't it doesn't. You know, he he was just like talking to me about Drexia and stuff, and he was like a weird guy who only stayed in his house, and nobody knew about him. But like Claude Young and Adam X, like really liked his stuff. You know, sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. Like it wasn't like he's probably anyway. Appreciate you, Rob. If you're he, out he, there, he he opened the door. Yeah, he totally. un- unlocked the, unlocked the door. And, you know, people like Tom did, too, just, like, hang out with him that weekend. Tom Cox. This yeah. Is, this is Pipecock. He's famous on the internet. Pipecock is a is a famous uh, techno internet person, a real a real purist. He was a writer for a while, too. Is he still writing? Uh, he no. I, he's He's got an interesting attitude about writing. I believe he said that feels too much like work. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. So, so, so you get... You start to get into the Pittsburgh scene, and 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 we we mentioned a couple of people. There's like, Sean Rudiman is around, and and uh, Tom Cox, and uh, what's the other guy's name? Uh, Jawan. Jawan. Yeah. Kurt. And yeah. Was it, he still there? Or he Kurt left Jackson. Out? I never really hung out with Kurt. Um, like Aaron Clark was starting to be around. Now he's like a big, yeah, a big deal with and the. What's uh, the other PTA guy's name? I can't. Preslov. Preslov. Yeah. Sorry. Preslov's still a, still a really good friend. And, and they they had yeah. this the studio there, uh, Machine Age. Yeah. Was a thing. 
Yeah. And then there's this other venue that I don't really, I've, n- I've never been there, but the was that a thing yet? Uh, Hot Mass? Yeah. No, not yet. So basically, I was I was starting to book a lot of shows myself, like, because I was like playing in a band and I was just starting to help other bands out and stuff and would set up shows and because like I'm a bit of a uh, probably had like a social addiction at the time and like would just invite people I was good at promoting shows like I could get people out and then like that first band broke up and I started to play with a number of people and we released a record and Tom Cox came to my the record release show and he said He's like, man, I really just want to throw parties with you. So he, I was like, why would I, why would I really do that? But he convinced me to start throwing things that looked more like raves with him in Pittsburgh. So we had, this is maybe like 2010. Okay. And we had that group. The first one was just like a bunch of like weird bands from Pittsburgh. And then that group Blondes from here played. Okay. I remember that. And then the second one was Beautiful Swimmers and Protect You. And then the third one, which was my going away party, leaving from Pittsburgh, moving to L.A. in like 2011, was Marcellus Pittman. But at that very first party I threw, this guy came in. (coughs) And he was like, hey, I want you to... uh," He really liked the party. It was cool. It was like all these different scenes came together, like techno kids, punk kids, noise people, whatever. And it was just in a punk house. It was a fun time. A guy came to that party and he had this like plan to throw a big festival called Via Festival. So I became involved as a booker of this festival. And we booked like the first year, like I think like Juan Dietrich's Point never played. But over the following years, like people like Moody Man, like Underground Resistance played. And it was just like a... But it's a Pittsburgh festival. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And it was like Fortet like faulty do but like rappers like big frida i think dame funk it's like whatever was like cool around that time 2010 2011 it was sort of like a risk though but who so who was this guy who was just it was uh this this guy named quinn and his partner was lauren goshinsky who's also like a dj now and people probably know her but and then aaron clark who does hot mass was there too my friend edgar was there and this guy paul fleetwood who's also now a techno dj so it was like six of us we tried to throw this like massive festival like a like a the first one was supposed to happen in an old brewery but it was like there's a beer in pittsburgh called iron city beer and like they said we could use the uh their old factory but it's like it's a huge building, but like huge pieces of concrete were falling from the ceiling and stuff. <laughs> it was like, Oh, we can't do this. So we like ended up finding a movie studio at the last minute to throw it in with like multiple stages and like a big green room and stuff. But obviously it lost money, you know, Yikes. goes, goes without saying, but <laughs> it was an interesting experience. And it was like the first time I was like, Oh, I guess I like booked this festival now. And like people would come from, like a journalist would come from England to go to come check it out. And this or is 2011 or so. Yeah. A year or 2010. So. 2010. Yeah, 2011. yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're still in Pittsburgh. And you said you started, you mentioned that your 
going away party was that before or after this festival that was after that was after two editions of the festival two editions of yeah. so you tried two times it, what happened was there a third time I think they actually threw like six or seven. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know what I'm... Maybe... Uh, I can't remember. It doesn't ring a bell. It might um, have been on your radar, but it was just like nobody had ever heard of Pittsburgh. And now, now people talk about Pittsburgh because they have this club there, you yeah, know? Yeah. And the people there are like pretty savvy at like getting... Yeah, yeah. Getting um, out there, but as, as they, well. sh- I mean, it yeah. sh- there should be more places in the states to play. You know, Pittsburgh should be one on a on a tour. You know, like, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, touring a lot recently. It's 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 so fun to travel around the states. Yeah, like, I'm I, into it. It's weird, like, and like, maybe we say that as like white guys who like can pass for driving a truck right now or something <laughs> like that. But but like, it's nice. Like actually seeing the place where you live and understanding the makeup of your country, and like I get really excited when I hear about like Pittsburgh or Cleveland or Chattanooga, Tennessee, or yeah. like something weird going on in Florida or Atlanta. Like that, that stuff is cool. But I don't think the agents really understand like uh, what you need to do to support those communities. And I, I, I think like you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't. I mean, but uh, so what? What could they do to make it better? Um, I just think that, like, I've noticed this about you, where sometimes if like the party seems cool, like you're not like you're obviously like worried about money, but you have like a number of hustles, and if if the party seems cool, the people seem in line with the way that you think about things, and you think you're going to have a good time, like you might play for half of what you normally play for or something. But when, when you have these bigger agencies, I think they, they don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. No, I mean, yeah. So, but it seems to be the solution is to not use the agents. It's, I mean, well, the problem, I think the, for me, I, the problem I saw is that it, the way things work in the States is not the way they work in Europe. I know some some cities are trying to pretend like they do like you know you can get your Miami your SF maybe Chicago and your New York but it's not the same like we have landed fees and you get your ass to the club yourself and then you go wherever you're gonna go like and you take your money with you that's it there's none of this like man baby like pick you up at the airport and like take you to dinner and then take you back to your hotel and then take you back to the club it's crazy you know like I can't even believe it, it, it the the treatment it's it's like a it's almost like offensive how 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 dj it's like but you've never have you been uh spoiled in that way before yeah Yeah, like on your european no but i would i i I would i would rather get paid more money than be treated like that Mm. like i would rather like i'll i'll just handle this part myself yeah just give me the money i'll I'll take care of it you know like like i can you know like just the the prime it ends up sometimes it's really stupid you know it's like like in London, you know, like, or, or New York is the same. It's easier to take the train to the, to the city, to where you're going. Mm-hmm. It's faster, it's cheaper. Yeah. But they insist on, on, your agents say, you must take a, a car. And it costs, <laughs> wh- I don't know what they're paying, 200 pounds or whatever it is. And then you're stuck in traffic for two hours when you could have paid 11 pounds and re- re- be there in 45 minutes. It's just, a, it, this, sorry. I'm no, I like, rant now. I, I like it. But um, in the States, it's, you're on your own you know i mean but we also don't have public transportation 
you know so it's like a it's just a, it's a different scene and i think that there's a disconnect between the european agents and the way things work in the united states and i don't th- i don't know if the solution is to have american bookers or to i i, I don't know it's just different and, and and i guess by talking about it you can try to find a solution but so far it's been like you know, you talk to your friends and you go play for your friends and you stay at their, at their house. Yeah. And, uh, that, that seems to be the way it works. If you really want to do it and have a good time. Well, yeah, I guess if you look at like you, you played like a, like golden poodle and, and like, yeah, S- no, I haven't Salon. been there, but, like, but I've been to Salon. Yeah. Yeah. But, time. but those places like people play for less money. Yeah, it's more American y- stuff. Yeah, yeah. 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 Because it's, it's cool. It's a landed deal. It's like, you know, like, oh, okay, I can give you this much money or maybe I'll give you a little more and you stay at this guy's house and it's, it's fine, you know, but, uh, so I don't know how we got distracted on this. We were talking this about touring. How, how people should want to go to different American cities. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. I mean, so so you're you organized this VF festival mm-hmm. a couple years in a row yeah and uh playing in bands throwing parties with Tom and you were appreciating that that the small bands were coming and there was a small scene yeah and you started to see how it was all working and um you so you had been in Pittsburgh working at this nonprofit organization and the law firm and the law firm yeah. still and and then um you tried this festival and you were getting deeper into the whole uh festival techno stuff and uh you decided to make the move to los angeles is that yeah was there something before that that we missed or no it was just like uh basically pittsburgh's a great place and it taught me everything i knew no but i would go to like the same bars all the time and obviously because i was playing in a bunch of bands and booking this festival like every time i would like walk out of my house i'd run into somebody and I, I saw this future for myself and where I would like get drunk at the same bar and like kind of like book the same show in, in perpetuity. And yeah. um, the woman I was dating at the time was like, hey, I have this opportunity to move to California. Um, think about it. See what you want to do. So I thought about it. I was like, all my friends are here. I've been to California like twice in my life. I know nothing about that at all. Do you have a driver's license? I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Just making sure. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I was like, I'm 28. If I'm gonna do, if I'm gonna move, if I'm gonna like make the plunge, like I always kind of wanted to live in New York, but I think that yeah, L.A. was a good choice too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I was always scared, or I'm like a creature of habit, where if if some if I'm not jolted out of my reality, I I'll just like stay there where i'm comfortable and, and that's a scary thing somehow it is yeah but so it, yeah the yeah. older you get the, the better it looks yeah <laughs> totally so you just got to realize how good it is you go, go go screw around for a while and then get back to it yeah man but so, so you end up in la end up in silver lake and like a little bungalow apartment i was still like kind of like keeping my job at the law firm but at that point my job was to like investigate foods so I would go to the grocery store and like look at foods and see which which products claimed they were all natural but actually weren't, you know? Like I was just doing weird shit. <laughs> and then uh eventually w- w- were there any foods that Yeah, yeah, there were tons. But what did it mean though? Uh, dude, you always pick up on the strangest details <laughs> to uh basically at the, 
I can't even talk about this. It's too Why? boring. No, I'm okay. I'm totally into it. Okay, so if a uh, if a, <laughs> if a chocolate markets itself as all natural, but there's alkalized coca in the chocolate, that means that it's not technically all natural. And if I can find somebody who bought the chocolate and is willing to put their name on a lawsuit, you can sue that that's chocolate dark, company. That's dark, man. That's dark. Yeah, dude. But I, that's a weird. That's a weird path. It was odd. But I mean, d- so you're you have a boss, and someone is telling you to do that. Is there? Do they believe that they're? Are they doing this to like be righteous? No. Or they're just looking for money. They're just looking for money. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like only in America kind of stuff. That's easy money, like that. you know. Wow. Classic. And, the, and then. Generally, it's cheaper for these large companies to settle out of court than it is to go through with the lawsuit. Got it. Like I could, my my wow. stupid my stupid trip in to the grocery store could result in like a hundred thousand dollars settlement. You know, I mean that. I mean that was that. Like it goes down to like talking to John Barclay and to Francois from the lot is that uh, if you want to shut down a business in New York, you can. You just call call them, call and complain about them every single day. You get them shut down. It's crazy, like how much power you have, like, and then like these law. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, I'm, gl- I'm glad don't, you don't do that anymore. I didn't find that terrible. You know, you, you is is that terrible in the sense that it stifles free enterprise? Uh, I don't know. It just doesn't. It, it. Uh, I don't. Ha- I don't. I'm not trying to criticize what you were doing because you're just like, oh, yeah, I don't know what I'm getting. Yeah. I got a job, you yeah. know. But this guy what is he doing for society? Like, is that really, he's not trying to do it to benefit somebody. He's not trying to like make this chocolate safer. You know what I mean? He's just like trying to like suck money out of the system. And it's kind of the same as, as wall street or, or whatever. It's like where, you know, what are they really doing for? They're just making money out of nowhere. Yeah. That's the classic argument against any kind of like finance or yeah. 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 It's like, this is not benefiting society, but you could say he's keeping. You can paint the picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah of yeah, course, yeah, yeah. of course. I'm yeah. just, I'm, it's just, I, I see right through it immediately. Yeah. You know, so you it's know crazy. It so you did. So you, 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 you got up. Your your Christian roots uh, came through, and you were like, "This is awful. I'm quitting." <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, what happened was your mother called, and she was like, "You can't do this." <laughs> Tom Tom Cox was like. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they told me like one of my records is up on the uh, like the end rack at Amoeba, and I was like going to Amoeba and just like looking around. Oh, I was like collecting <laughs> records at the time, and, the, and then he was like, "Yeah, you should talk to this guy Oliver. He's like the buyer there." And so I went into Amoeba one night at like nine p.m. because it still stays open till eleven. I talked with Oliver for a while, and I was like, "Hey, also I'm like looking for a job. Will you will you hire me?" And I forgot you worked at Amoeba. Yeah, so I got a job at Amoeba. And then my other job was there was this, like, because I had, like, a legal background, I, I started working for this labor lawyer who started a publication. And the publication was, like, about unions and strikes and, like, workers rising up and stuff. So I started to write for this publication every single day. And I would, like, go to, like, strikes at the airport 
and stuff and like interview people. So you're like a reporter. Yeah. So that was my first like writing job. That's pretty cool. But so yeah. and so this is a, a online publication. Correct. It's like so you're a blogger. Yes, I was a like a blogger. social justice blogger. A social justice blogger, and then I do that. And then I go work at Amoeba. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So those were my first jobs in LA. And then I was like starting to go to warehouse parties and figure out how it all worked and stuff and, like and that. And so this is now 2013, 14. This is 2012. 11. 2012. Yeah, 2012. 2012. You're in LA <coughs> working at Amoeba, which is, uh, I mean, I guess everybody that's ever been to California has been to Amoeba. Yeah. Either in yeah. Uh, Berkeley, San Francisco, or Los Angeles. Or L.A. Right there in Hollywood, you know. Thrown thrown right into it amongst the glitz and glamour. But that, that's like a, a, that's one of those places that it's like pretty good to work at. You know, like Beacon's Closet or Whole Foods. They give you benefits and it's California. You get No, like man. I made like 12 bucks an hour. But they didn't give you yeah, health insurance? No. 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 But I was too, also too part, late, too part late time. Yeah, I was too late. Yeah. Because I, I know in San Francisco, I, I, when I lived in San Francisco in the 90s, the people that worked at Amoeba, I think it was a pretty good oh, job. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it's a liberal environment. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, I got I got tons of records. Did um, you pay for them? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Because <laughs> oh, they, they got the stealing, d- like on lockdown. Yeah. Like, you're not getting a record out of there. No. Yeah, like, what was the employee discount? I'm curious. I think it was like 30% on used. Thirty percent on used, twenty percent on new. Did you? But did you get to like you like mark them? You like mark that record cheap? Uh, sometimes there were some schemes. There going were on. there was like a, there, yeah. There once in a while, I mean, Amoeba's weird in that at the time there was so much volume going through where you could get like a ton of records that are like fifty dollar records. I was getting for like three dollars yeah, or yeah. something at the at the time. And I think that when it opened it was even more yeah. like that. I'm sure that 2000s. that's kind of the typical record uh, <coughs> culture. Yeah, I don't like the I don't like when people talk about a record they bought and they're like, Yeah, I got this for five dollars, you know? I'm like, yeah, well you t- how much scheming did you do to get it for five dollars? <laughs> so you so you're at Amoeba, but Amoeba in Los Angeles I don't. It's a weird store to me. I don't. I'm not. There's no listening stations. Yeah. It's for me. It's really like been a deal breaker since. I mean, when I was in San Francisco, I was like, okay, I'll just go to Open Mind because I can listen to it. And and it's weird. I, <coughs> did, did they? Maybe there was like CD listening stations at one point. You have a really good memory. But uh, they were there were like CD scanning listening stations where you could scan it and listen to like through some weird internal network and you know you can go in there and like what i do is i just go in with like earbuds in and listen to youtube yeah, but that's fucking takes forever yeah man it oh. does but at, when i work there I that's one of the weird things where records are faster like skipping you can skip yeah. through a fuck you know yeah that's true that's like a that that is a weird thing where where like analog is faster still yeah you can, you know, you can just put the thing on. I can listen to the record faster than you can pull it up on YouTube. Yeah, you know, like totally. I don't know. Well, sorry. All right, that's my amoeba complaint. I, I'm gonna put it out there every time. And that, ta- and that tape. Why do they tape it so much, man? That's annoying. And like, then you just, I just cut the jacket, the plate. It's, I end up cutting it off. You can't peel <laughs> that stuff off. You guys, listen up. Come on. But they're not gonna change. You know, I don't. I mean, I, I feel like it goes back to like Berkeley. You know, and like people were like stealing records, <laughs> like, and they like kept the policy. They like never changed. They came know? up with a way to make it almost impossible to open the record without slicing the jacket. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, 
So, so you worked you worked at Amoeba, and you worked at this other weird reporter. That's your yeah. your writing job. Yes. And um, 2012. Yeah. In Los Angeles, California, yeah. living in Silver Lake. I'm still pretty naive. Is at there? That time. I mean, is a uh, was Mount Analog open yet? No, or Mount it just opened. Mount Analog opened, I think, in 2014. So what? I don't remember what the scene. I mean, when I go, I, I went there a couple times, and we would like play it the echo or like some weird i don't know and then there was like a weird lull and then all of a sudden it was like downtown rave warehouse parties mm-hmm. I, I don't know when exactly that started there but were there were a couple things going on i remember like two weeks after moving to town i kind of found dub lab and started listening to shows oh yeah. and then and then uh Paul T and the Harvey Sarcastic Disco yeah, that's been parties there. were huge. Like yeah. I remember a week after arriving, there was a party, a Harvey party, and I couldn't find the address. There was an info line, but they wouldn't give I it to you. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't find it. So that was like, oh, okay, I'm in a new place. I don't know shit. Um, but yeah, at that party, they could announce it like a week out and like 1,500 people would show up at some odd warehouse. Um there was like a place called music for dancers, which was like kind of based off of like clips, like loft style, like really long sets, like all night stuff. I would go there a lot when I moved to town. And then, and then I, and then I was like, well, I threw parties in Pittsburgh. I put together a festival in Pittsburgh. I'm, I'm going to like start throwing a party here. So I got together with like a few people and, uh, we planned our first warehouse party and we had a uh, Andres from Detroit play and uh, Delroy Edwards play. His record had just come out on lies. I think that was 2012 early 2013. Um, but yeah, he lived in town and it was good. Cause I like met everybody who was buying records at the record store yeah. and stuff. But then, uh, yeah, I promoted this party and like we sold like, hundred tickets in advance and all these people were going to come and then it got shut down like uh and so we managed to like move the party like the vice squad came and they they lectured me and they spoke with me and then we managed to move the party to an alternate super grimy location (laughs) and brandon delroy and andre still played and it still went off but like we lost some money on that party but it was like a real it was was a real trial by fire you know because like uh there's a lot i mean i feel like a lot of those (coughs) from i'm not from la i've only played a few of those parties but i've noticed that those security guards are cops like for sure like every security guard at those rave parties (coughs) is a is a cop they're they're either a cop or they're like a criminal yeah yeah like one or the other yeah Yeah, people have some issues with that like it no i don't I, i just but so you either need to have the in on with the cop or the in with the criminal circuit. I mean, I, me- I remember one like w- I played with, with like Junior and those guys. Um, oh yeah, and uh, was that I, like I don't know what Sunny Side uh, Up or some weird place like on like in Fifth Street or yeah. some sports bar or something. Oh, it was the, yeah, Sunny Side Up. Yeah, and the it was five star bar. Five star bar. I think that's what it was. <coughs> and like the security guard definitely like had a gun on him and and was like. Those guys have an interesting thing. Yeah, but they're, that yeah. was one of the best parties I've ever played in L.A. Like, yeah, I mean that that party is sick. Yeah, like uh, those guys are because they're they, but they have a real history and roots, and they oh kind of yeah. don't really change with the trends. They're just doing their thing. Well, know? they don't charge over ten dollars, yeah. and they they had a weird thing worked out with the five star bar where 
they could just lock the door. Yeah, that's what happened. And like you just play all night. Um, they all have crazy collections. Yeah, I, um, I thought it was really cool because like I didn't. I don't even remember who hooked me up. I can't remember who, how I got. Oh, uh, was it Andrew? No, um, uh, Dan. Uh, Dan. Uh, oh my God, I can't remember. Dan is his name, but uh, Vietnamese guy. Dewey. No. Dan. No. Oh. I, you're you're thinking of Quan. Quan Dam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quan yeah. Dam. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. He, he he told me he's like play for these guys, and uh, I was like okay, and then I get there and they're like dressed like the Lost Boys. You know they're wearing like overcoats and like sunglasses and like nineties like, and this is like whatever two thousand thirteen or twelve same time kind of, and I was like what is going on? And then you go up and it's like full sound system with like rotary mixers and like. You're like, all right, this is cool. And then they were like, man, you sound like Danny Teneglia. <laughs> and I was like, is that a compliment? And I was like, yeah. Or I, I didn't even know. It was like just some other. They were. It was a cool. That's what I really like about L.A. And it's cool that you went there and entered <coughs> this scene. You know, it's such a it's like a um, fantasy land. I mean, I don't it's even weird. It's a weird place. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, um just even the places where they throw parties it's, it's odd like how do you navigate that um and like nobody cares like nobody everybody's like got it good like even if you're dirt poor and like live in a shitty apartment your life is still pretty easy you can still yeah. like eat organic avocados and juice you know or like your quality of life is high it's it's funny because like one time i went to a party with Quan and i uh i think he might have imbibed in something that night <laughs> But no way. We we gave him a ride. He's home. great. Man. I really yeah, like he's that great. He's like knows about, and he and he was sitting on the couch where I lived with my ex girlfriend, and she was like, "Is he going to bed? What's he doing?" And he was just sitting out on the couch on the futon, listening to one of your tracks. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah, and he was just like, he was just having a party party for one man. He's great. He's a good. Dude. Yeah, he's good. But he like I don't know. He's one of those people that kind of like hooked me up he just was like dude a go fan, go man. here go hook up with this dude and like yeah but that's the thing that's what you need to know about la like where at at least at that time you you had to like have a connect to somebody or like something like that or yeah um and yeah like you could play a warehouse party that's the best party of your life or you can play one that that's somewhat not very memorable um yeah. Yeah, but we ended up throwing twelve more of those parties. So we we eventually like figured what, what it was out. the name of it? That was called States of Being. States of Being. Yeah, we had like, uh, but at the time it was a little bit, bit easier. Like, we had like Prosumer's first show in L.A., Casamos's first performance in L.A. Because Pe- uh, people weren't really going. L.A. Yeah. wasn't really a thing. Yeah. Yet. Now it is. Yeah. Now now like, I wouldn't even know what to book and then mount analog came in and they booked you and Bo and tracks and yeah. veronica and like all these people like they were booking like dream record store nerd lineups in warehouses like hieroglyphic being playing back records backwards at <laughs> two three a.m and yeah yeah then it just went crazy you know so that that was a good good time period for la it was pretty free and it was it was also kind of a new I mean, I don't, I mean, you see the things and you say that, you know, these people like Junior and the Harvey, like the rave thing was there, but 
this was like a new a new era kind of i don't I, th- there's no name for it you know like before you had like electro clash or the you know house or whatever techno now and there's like not really a a name for what was going on now but this like mount analog and what you were doing there was like a scene and but the cool thing is is it was pretty open because like even things like uh brian shimkowitz like awesome taste from africa was kind of around and this was you know a little bit different but he was accepted and then i remember seeing people like um Stephen Warwick, what's his thing called? Heat uh, sick. Heat sick would come around, and this the art people would start coming. Yeah. And then people like uh, Eddie Rache, like R- Secret Circuit, and uh, like Tom of England, and those guys. Little, and then even art kind of guys and Dub Lab guys. It was a cool scene. It was a good mix. Yeah. You know, and there would be like you know the gangsters from the neighborhood would show up and you know sell some drugs, whatever. It was a cool time. Um, and 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 so. You you kind of coast coasted. You did your your LA you coasted for a while. Yeah, man. I was I was in there. Uh, the the labor lawyer eventually got tired of pouring money into that weird publication I worked for. So then uh, our friend Brian Foote asked if I wanted to start helping him out, like running some labels, doing some PR. I should have him on the podcast. Oh, he'd be terrific. He's got that guy. He's probably got some stories. good stories. Yeah, he's got this one story about a uh, well. I'll, I'll Bri- let him Brian go. Brian Foot. He just I just saw he just put out an LP today. LP is announced L- today. Leech. That's that's Leech. L E E C H. Yeah. Shout out to Leech when we we threw a party at his at his loft where you met him. Oh, that's right. Yeah, like we had a Fit Seagull. He used to live in. Yeah, he didn't always live in Highland Park. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Glassell Park. Glassell. Sorry, yeah, sorry. We, we had a Fit Seagull and Bookworms play his uh his loft yeah yeah that was a fun one i forgot about that but uh, yeah so you started brian foot hello brian yeah um you started working for him doing pr and my first job was to uh look up any music journalist or editor that i knew so, so he, but but so a little background on brian foot he's the label manager for cranky yeah and he also does some pr on the side for stuff yeah mostly like experimental or dance acts and he and he runs like a sort of boutique label with uh our friend brian, brian briance and brian paul called peak oil you know his real last name i sure do should we <laughs> should we say it here sutherland Ooh, dude <laughs> sorry Hi, brian. shots fired yeah i love it um, does it did his wife take his la- or did they get married they got married man. does it, does she have his last name i don't is know is she a sutherland I don't think she <laughs> I'm going to ask. I don't think she is. Um, yeah, but basically, to give you a little bra- background, <laughs> Brian Brian's a guy from Wisconsin. He was a skater turned like R- raver, turned raver, turned like kind of he wanted to be like kind of like the Happy Mondays and have like a shoegaze band. Playing but Wisconsin, at the rave. The Wisconsin at the time had this like drop bass network yeah. scene, which is pretty heady, serious. Yeah. And it's also, but it's also this weird scene, like you go to DMF and you, you see all these like white techno dudes from Iowa. It's that scene. And they know every single techno record. Like they know way more than anybody ever. It's crazy. Yeah. And like, that's, that's where, what Wisconsin, Wisconsin or Wisconsin, Wisconsin. I mean, it's, I can't imagine in the nineties, Wisconsin. Yeah. I think Minneapolis was involved too, but it's not what you think of when you think of techno, you know, but, (laughs) but it was huge there or not huge, but there was a definitely 
an, an informed scene. Yeah, know? I mean, there were records coming out too, like the Woody McBride and like stuff like that. Yeah, like, Adam Adam X was on there too. Yeah, yeah, he had record on Drop Bass Network. Yeah. But yeah, Brian came out of this. He moved to Chicago, started working for Cranky, legendary ambient leaning label, experimental label. Uh, moved to L.A. La Bradford. We bonded over like yeah, we bonded over liking uh, Moody Man and stuff like that. He brought me in. I hit up all these people that I used to know. Um, I hit wait, up this wait, guy. Wait, who, who, what, you, you told me before, but I forgot. Now, you were looking up every single label owner, you said? or No, any any music journalist. Journalist. And okay. so when I when I uh, threw the festival, like journalists from like Dummy and Dazed came to cover the festival in Pittsburgh. So on my first visit to Europe, which was in 2012, I like looked them up and met up with some of them. And so these were some, that, that's like the only people that I knew. So yeah. I hit them up and I hit up this guy, Charlie, who was editing the magazine Dazed at the time. Okay. And I said, hey man, here's, I'm working for Cranky now. Here's some releases. And then, and then just as an aside, I was like, by the way, I've been writing about labor and workers' rights for the past couple of years. And then he was like, hey, why don't you write something about labor for the magazine? And... And so I wrote about weed dispensary workers organizing. And then I wrote about a uh, worker-owned peep show in San Francisco that was closing down. So kind of these like quirky like labor stories that oh, would yeah, work for a cool like magazine. Vice, Vice magazine yeah, era. Vice, yeah, yeah, exactly. So those were my first two like real published pieces. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Did you get paid? No. Oh, sounds about right. No, I, they they owed me money, but I was like too cowed. You're like, to, like there was an error. There was an error on the invoice or something. <laughs> they just stopped responding to my emails, you know. Oh. But but Charlie's great anyway. I don't. It was like it's fine. Yeah. yeah. You're water under the bridge. Yeah, it's cool. Um, <laughs> I don't need the twenty bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, but so but this is this is so this this part is is why I do this podcast is like, you know, like we like music and uh, there's a. I want people listening, you know, like younger people hopefully will listen at some point in history because the internet is forever and see the path to get to these places where you you can participate in the music industry and make a living. You know, like this is your first published story, you know, like cool, you know, like maybe your mom doesn't quite see it yet. But but looking back, maybe in 10 years, she'll 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 realize that, oh, you're OK. And this was a, a moment for you. Like oh, I can be a journalist. Yeah, and uh, um, even though you know journalism is a, I don't even know how you get paid anymore. You just like write invoices to somebody, <laughs> and hopefully you get paid. I don't know. And uh, um, so so you start writing for days. Did this become a regular thing now, or or this just was kind of like a resume builder? I wrote a couple things for them, and then it was odd. Like it was when that Vice vertical their dance music vertical thump was around and somebody brought it to my attention that they were looking for writers. So I started writing for them and I wrote a, f a few pieces for them. And then I started writing for accelerator just like very naturally, but I still had no idea to get back to your point. I had no idea how writing pieces for between 50 and $300 would ever <laughs> pay my rent. Yeah. But I was like, this is enjoyable. Yeah. And then, but you seem like you'd like to meet people. You're yeah. and you're also genuine. 
you you don't like the conversation to end, so you tend to keep asking questions. Yeah, totally. So so that's a, it, it suits you, you know. <laughs> yeah, and like it was interesting. It was it was also like nice to like support little labels and yeah. like like write about them in these places. And uh, I could always write, um, and then yeah. So the way I started working for RA was. One day I was at Amoeba and <laughs> DJ Quick came in and I wouldn't even know what he looks like. Yeah, I didn't either actually. Somebody else was like that. I didn't DJ I didn't recognize him yeah. immediately. And he came up and he was showing me a d- he, I was ringing him out at the register and he was showing me a Delphonics record that he had bought for like $2 and it was warped and he was explaining to me how you can un- put un- a record it. in the oven. Yeah. And sounds like a real record digger. (laughs) (laughs) I've definitely done that too. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, uh, yeah. So what are you, what are you doing in the neighborhood? I was always make conversation because I like to talk to people. Like you said, and ask some questions and he's like, yeah, my studio's around the corner. And I was like, uh, oh yeah. Like, uh, who do you work with? And he's like, oh, you know, like right now I'm working with DeBarge and like, (laughs) and I was like, who is this person? Like, and so he left. And then the next guy comes up, and I, I re- somebody tells me they're like, "That was just DJ." Quick. Who was tailing DJ? Quick. Yeah, the, like the next guy comes up, and I'm like, "Hey, DJ Quick was actually just here because I think he was buying a DJ Quick CD." It was my friend, and it was a guy named Zed, and he just he was just so excited about my DJ Quick story, and he's like, "What's the address?" <laughs> yeah, and then, but he came back up, and he's. He had a friend with him, and he's like, tell my friend your DJ Quick story. Like, he was that excited about it. And then he was buying records. We started to talk, and then we were starting to talk about music. And then he's like, yeah, I'm a professor at the new school in New York, and I'm just out here for the summer. I come out to L.A. for the summer. And then we, we were – I was pretty new to L.A. at the time still. And he's like uh, – I was like – he's like, yeah, do you want to hang out? you want to, like, get a drink or something like that? So we got a drink, and we, like – bonded over like Nile Rogers and just like random shit we were into and then a former student of his worked for RA and gave him who was that it's this woman named Donnell who's a booking agent now but she she gave him uh that DJ Sprinkles double that mix that he did like when dance floors stand still yeah it has like Braxton Holmes and like it's it's a a good mix it's like real deep I I don't know I don't get I don't get it sorry you would like the you like these tunes it was like he's in Tronics ensemble like Calypso of house and like I don't know any of that you know that I I, I always try to I like I really like the idea of DJ Sprinkles and I try to listen to it but um, I kind of instantly forget what it sounds like it's one of those weird things it like just it washes over. It goes you. right through yeah. me. I don't know. It's like a it's like a fortet or something. <laughs> but she was Sorry, But but right. no, but my friend Zed, who I'm staying with in New York now, we're like really close friends from like that one DJ Quick Story. thing at the register. Oh, yeah. He uh he was like, Hey, my old student Donnell, she's talking about the same stuff as you. Like you guys should meet up. So Donnell came over one night with like a bottle of champagne we hit it off and the next day she's like hey you should start writing for ra and i wrote a review i think i reviewed uh 
the House of Doors 12-inch on Mood Hut, which basically sounds like a New York house record. Mm -hmm. And I remember the editor sent it back three times <laughs> saying like that my review sucked <laughs> and I needed to uh, to fix it. So I was like, this is never going to work out. I don't, I don't see how this is the case. Well, but if they're putting the effort in to send it three times, there must yeah. be some... Uh, yeah, I guess th that's it. That's exactly it. If it was like so bad they wouldn't yeah. yeah if it was like totally uh but what what what, what was their criticism of it too long or, or not i think that here's something that i think applies to like writing and art in general where you know when you like develop some skill and you're really um eager to show it off like where a little too big of words or something you got it flowery or what's the musical equivalent would you say a solos yeah <laughs> <laughs> a solo is fun here and there. A side chain compression. Yeah, right? yeah. There you go. So you so just tricks and too many tricks. Yeah, we're 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 asked the real masterful stuff is 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 uh, you don't being able to be eloquent but concise. Yeah, you know? yeah. It it is a little annoying when you read a review and you're like, this guy uses a thesaurus, you know, or like you know, like a maybe they just know those words. Yeah, I know, but I mean, that's not that's not how the thinking works, you know. Yeah. Yeah. The cycle's not that deep. I mean, it, it should be, but it's not. Um, so, so you you got a job at RA. This, but this is this freelance still. No, it's just like putting or in a review even. once in a while, and then I here's here's the hustle part. This is the only part of this story that doesn't involve just some random element of chance. I was still doing PR, and I was doing PR for the label Hundred Percent Silk. And, and but but is there is there a weird is there is there a some seems like those two are is there a conflict of interest between those two? In that case, I was like writing. I had written like just like a handful of reviews, and okay. there is a conflict of interest. But I was, and that's something that I still navigate to this day. Yeah. But in that instance, I would just never review anything that I had anything to do with pr professionally. I wouldn't. And I was only like reviewing like a random record here and there. And mm -hmm. I was reviewing regularly for Accelerator as well. Um, so at the time, actually, my jobs were, I was working at Amoeba 25 hours a week. And I was working in with Brian Foote 25 hours a week. And then I had a regular job at Amoeba as well. And then I went to South by Southwest uh because we were participating in a showcase and because I knew all the RA people would be there and I knew they were trying to expand in the U S. So I was like, Oh, I should just like go down and meet them or yeah. whatever. So, uh, so just a little, so we keep talking about RA, this is resident advisor.net and, yeah. it, and it's a ticket sales company. Yeah. When it, it comes down to it, they, it's, it's they, an electronic music magazine. No, it's not. They, <laughs> they, they sell tickets on the internet. And uh, and it's disguised as a electronic music magazine. It's still a magazine. There's they do put content up every day, and I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. But the way they make their money is they take a dollar off every ticket sold through their website. That's it's, correct. It's very genius because it's totally. If you don't think about it, you don't even notice. Totally. But but you were. So, yeah. I was saying. Uh, resident, you, you were defining resident advisor, and I was saying it's a electronic music magazine, and you're saying it's a ticketing website, and I think the answer is it's both. You know, obviously. But I mean, the the, the I didn't I, I I didn't have any idea. I, I had um, 
I went to London one time, and I'm the Australian guy's name is Aaron Coltate. Aaron Coltate, sorry, Aaron. Um, I went to go meet him because I had a good. He always seemed like a nice guy, and he wrote and, a nice feature on you. And uh, he, I don't know, it was before that or after that. I can't remember now. And uh, I just wanted to see the RA office, and I was like, I went there, and I was like, man, this is nice. And I was like, how did how, how does this pay for it? And he was like, tickets. And I was like, the oh, oh, all right, all right, all right. Now I get it. And like, because I've never bought a ticket on RA ever in my life. I w- if I have to buy a ticket, I won't even go, you know. Like. <laughs> yeah, what's the last ticket that you bought in general? I don't know. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. Like, probably like Drake or something. Drake. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, uh, I can't. I really can't remember um no i paid for we paid to go to uh, a magic city we paid to go to the weird science party oh that's cool because it's like a, a community yeah thing and uh, yeah when when doug uh, when Ann i was here we oh paid, nice uh, ten dollars each um sp- big, sorry big spender yeah I, I i don't i don't know i feel like i worked there yeah so no anyway, you shouldn't have to pay yeah to work i get there, it you know? Um, so, so yeah, you got this job at resident advisor and I just started, uh, dogging it because I'm a jerk, but no, 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 but it, I think it's a great, it, it, it's people use it and it's a useful thing. And, uh, it, it, it there's a community to it. I, I was a little upset when we lost the comments and the forum and stuff like that. But, uh, was that, did you, was there still forum when you worked there? No, the forum was done away with at that time. And I was, I was there for. Most of, well, first of all, I became like a part-time news writer, mm-hmm. and and so I was just writing news and writing occasional reviews, and then I got a full-time offer from RA. And, and did they make you quit the other jobs? Or your I did quit the other jobs at that point, but at some it point, was unspoken though, just kind of like you just you work for RA now. Um, it's kind of complicated actually. Like at basically at some point, I was working part-time for RA, working at Amoeba, and doing PR, and doing various freelance things. So I was probably like on the clock like 80 hours a week or yeah, something. Yeah. And and then um, RA made me a full-time offer. I just couldn't couldn't keep it up, essentially. And and yeah, in, in retrospect, it's like you can't do PR and no. be a full-time music journalist. That's just not going to work. No, it's some, yeah. somebody's going to get mad at you somewhere, you know. Somebody's always going to be mad at you. Yeah, well, th- like, but but that's one of those things you're not doing it right. If if somebody's if, if you don't have haters or or whatever the rap language is, I think um, that's true. I mean, to be honest, my number, the only things I like actually feel bad about at RA are when there's a label that I believe in or, or an artist that I believe in that I fully intend to support, and that I even tell that I'm going to do something for. And I don't come through with that. And yeah. that's only happened like under, that's happened like two times that but I can think a, of. What yeah. are you going to do? You yeah. know, you can yeah. only, you d- as long as you're, you're, you're honest about stuff, I think it's, it's, uh, it's okay. Um, so I don't know. I mean, this is, uh, there's a whole can of worms that we could talk about, you know, like because you are a music journalist and, uh, I don't know where to begin or or what to start with. It's it's kind of like a, a, a it, there's so many like taboo subjects, you know, and, and and so many things that we're we're not even allowed to talk about. Just go in, man. I don't. I, I really. I don't know where to start. You know. Um, <laughs> well, it, it's it's a it, you know 
you even even from the time you started, which what you said is two thousand uh, fourteen, fourteen until now two thousand nineteen, um, things have changed. You know, like uh, massively. Uh, um, the internet, even just from something like you know, you would have. Let's just start. We'll start with the uh, there was there was a forum and and a community and uh, it was taken away, and then uh, the then after that, you know, you would have a review or you would have a news story. And there would always be comments, you know, and, and, and that was taken away. And uh, I don't know what year that happened, but that seemed like a really weird thing to me. That was... And, I, and I, what, were you there yes. for the discussion of that? or I believe that was 2017 and maybe ended 2017. Well, it was just too much trouble to keep up with No, it actually it was 2000... It was last year. It was yeah, 2018. It was yeah. Um, if you look at a review from 2012, <laughs> I don't know why you would necessarily do that, but yeah, yeah you're curious well, about people read the internet. What's like a good record that came out in 2012? I don't know. Lindstrom. I okay. Don't know. Like you look at a record of like I uh, review of, I feel space and on RA, and there will be 27 comments under it. And a there was a voting system also. Yeah. And upvote, downvote. And like Reddit and many, and many of the comments will be like, oh, I love this new Norwegian sound. Like, this is great. And then somebody else will be but like, the PR guy wrote that. Yeah. And then and then <laughs> <laughs> I love this new Norwegian sound. But then somebody else will be like, oh, cool. Like space disco. Like that's and like that's not cool. Like that's, that's been done. Like, yeah, yeah like Patrick Adams plus italo disco like that's mm. not cool at all like it's more of like a spirited exchange of ideas at that time and then you fast forward to 2017 and it's like only just stands who are just like what, best poke, poke. best ra article ever thank you so much for posting this and then the other half is just like just trolls let's poke the panda Poke the panda? You were? Well, no, no. Wasn't that one of the... I, I remember Pro Angel Wings. He oh, was Pro like, Angel yeah, Wings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like the most famous troll. But it was just only trolls. I think all the trolls are, are, um, are uh, Jexopolis. <laughs> <laughs> he loves the uh, RA comments, I've heard. But but it, the, the what I'm saying is that the, level, the dialogue just um, diminished and went to... It went from being something more akin to the message boards that you posted on growing up where it was like a lively sort of comical exchange about music to just being more along the lines of like a YouTube comment or something like that. And I think that they couldn't justify that, especially you you see like the shit that like Boiler Room is getting for comments these days and stuff like that, where it's just like if you... If you, especially like if you leave like people out there to be abused by random strangers on the internet, there's only so much, uh, there's only so much that but I don't time that you can but, do that. But my point, just to, I'll play the other side of the argument. Yeah. Even if I don't truly believe it, but maybe I do, is that if you can't take that, then you shouldn't be an artist. Like you're. It's like what you learn when you go to art school is like how to take criticism. You're like saying if you can't take 
take the heat, get out of the kitchen. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, if so, but yeah, but the thing so is, so what? Like, so what? The sticks and stones may break my bones. I don't oh, know. I I don't agree when. Like, I'll just say this: there have been times when comments are moderated because they're negative. Yeah, and I don't think that they cross over into the line of harassment. Yeah, and they've been like deleted. And I, th- I, don't, I don't agree with that. Yeah. Like, you should be able to take... And there is so much glad-handing yeah. in today's, like, social media well, yeah, world. I mean, this is... I mean, it's the huge comment now with, the, you know, like, with Twitter is, like, what what is the line to where you can moderate or not? And I guess that's the line they decided was that we're just not going to mess with this and get rid of it. No, but I, I do think that if, if I'm saying, like... Um, that DX line sounds like garbage and you don't know how to program drums. That's one thing. But if I'm saying like, Oh, who is Peggy Goo's ghost producer? Then that's like, that's like a different nature of comment. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm not sure if they're yeah. different. Really? Yeah. I, Cause I, I don't know. Like I, it, there's no, the problem is, 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 you have to define it and you can't you know so it like what what is it i don't know like just because it hurts somebody's feelings or i don't know it's it's a it, it, but i get maybe that is the right decision by talking to you is to to not have it you know like that way you don't even have to think about this you know like because it's it, you know you have like this this twitter ceo guy is going on every i can't remember his name he's going on every Jack. yeah he's going on like every single podcast like talking about this this thing like uh, comments or, or what who to be censored and what is hate speech and all this stuff. And, and you know, these, these, these seem like pretty smart people and they're successful and they have a lot of time to think about this and they've seen it grow too, you know. So, and I don't think they know what to do with it either, you know. Yeah. And, and, and their whole content is other people's speech and, and people like RA, you know, you, at least you have, you have ticket sales and you have articles so you don't need that part of it, I guess. It's a, it's a it, you know you're you're taking out the social media aspect. I mean, maybe maybe it was as simple as that, like um, paying somebody to moderate these comments. Yeah, it's, like <laughs> that's bleak, that's dark. You know what I mean? Oof. Like imagine showing up every day. But that's why it's like you know the the other choice would be to just leave them up, and people are like, you know, and then and then then I would say. There, you get into this weird argument where like people should, you know, you should not be able to be on the internet anonymously. It's like you you got to own that comment if you're gonna put it down. You know, like we know you're a jackass. You know, like I, I mean, these are these are like weird, like you know, Republican versus Democrat, conservative, liberal. You know, like I think you can break it down to these kind of viewpoints. You you can like uh, rank these categories by political affiliation. You think? I think you can start to. I yeah. mean, I mean, I mean it, it, a, a philosophical or political or whatever. You know, you can start to. I, I'm not. I don't know that much about uh, uh, philosophy, but it's, you know, there's these. You know, certain things like where you're, you have this idea where like, you should do what's best for yourself, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. you should do what's best for everyone. And you know, like the argument is, is if everybody does what's best for themselves, like this, like Ayn Rand, weird mm-hmm. conservative, then yeah. it should be what's best for everyone else. Yeah, but then you know the people that say we should do what's good for everybody else is it's different. You know, there's a yeah, the utilitarian idea, the greater good. Yeah, I don't and I, like 
and the, these have been these philosophical discussions for a really long time. Yeah. And and you know since the internet is soon so new, it's not quite clear how it works yet. You know, like and then so I, I it might have been a good decision for RA to just just content only. Like, why, who who gives a shit what this. Uh, broken angel wings or <laughs> i can't remember what his name was now pro angel pro wings. angel wings like who cares what they say you know like why does their opinion matter but then why does anybody's opinion matter so it's uh, yeah i mean i think what it came down to is like women specifically whether they were female artists or female readers of the site felt unfairly targeted by c- trolls in the comment section yeah, yeah. and the decision was made uh to make uh, women, non-binary people, trans people, like feel more comfortable on the site. But when I was, what I was saying at the beginning is just the level of dialogue was not. Maybe one out of every fifteen comments was like interesting. The one, the one thing that you, the one thing that you lose when you do away with comments is the ability for users to give feedback immediately that's actually honest like yeah. uh you missed this you said it was their second 12 inch it's actually their seventh and or you whether it's fact checking or whether it's just like this article sucks <laughs> like why why is this uh like what what is your point with like posting this article and that and that's something that i think is is it is genuinely Right. It's a shame to to lose that. Yeah, that, that interesting. I was gonna switch to to something even more taboo, but I'm not okay. Going let's to. do it. I'm not going to do I it. Des- I decide. No, no, no. I I, I got to be careful. I, the wine is flowing. You know. All right. Let me get some more wine. Um. <laughs> Whoa. So so just a, a, a I'm gonna. Sw- this is a general uh, a journalism review question. Mm-hmm. Is a um. That, that, just a question that maybe that I have. I don't know if it's a, a, a maybe it's not general, but uh, um, it is a, a when you write about stuff, um, do you try to stay with stuff you like, or is is there? So I guess maybe the question should be, is is there a point to to having a negative review or or writing about saying stuff sucks? Like it's like my grandma say, you know, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Is is this some uh, a journalism journalism like standard thing, or or do you follow it, or is it part of the ethos? I I think that for the most part, I'm looking for interesting music that I like that maybe not everybody knows about in order to give it some attention. However, um, the way that it typically works at RA is if it's a if it's the first release on WT records and it, there's a it's a 200 press 12 inch and I don't I'm not crazy about it first of all these days it's difficult to get a review like that run because it just people aren't like reading the single reviews a lot in it's, terms it's probably the only thing I read that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're like most people read the LP reviews or the features or something like that. But but we sort of like have this thing internally where 
if it's like a fledgling label from uh like nashville or something and just like slamming the record just isn't the coolest thing to do (laughs) you know like just because it's you know it's expensive to put out a record and um maybe they'll get it right on the second one and our job is to like support scenes not not like be like some weird disembodied but like but is there a, is there ever a reason to say like this record is a you know you have a system in one what one to four one to five one to five and is there ever a reason to write a review about a 1.0 record yeah if it's by like somebody who is getting paid like five to ten thousand euros like to Sven DJ Voth every night. puts yeah, out yeah, a record yeah. and, and, and you're gonna review it and be like this is terrible yeah and what what do you don't think that it would be better to have the space for something that you like? Um, well, I mean, I guess it's, it's in the end, it's a business. So you want people to read it and people like to read that stuff sometimes, I guess. I think that one of the most like read reviews on the site in the last six months, the most read review on the site was a negative review. What was it? Uh, the Apparat LP. And what is that? It's a compact? Yeah, like related, like it's it's sort of like it's like electronic woozy electronic pop, like kind of like more music or something like that. Um, But yeah, the reviewer just didn't like it, but they did a very clever (laughs) job shutting it down, and that that was like the most read review on the site. Probably like the artist reading it over and over. (laughs) (laughs) But is there how how detailed are the analytics? Is it is it like by IP address or or is it like is it? It's by individual user. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's pretty serious. I mean. And and who who's is who's looking at? Is there like a, a, a is there a whole another part of RA that's looking at that, or is it just the writers? Or is it it's just the writers. There's not like a separate like data. There's or like analytics. a web a webmaster, and he's or she is sending you. No, I can look at it. You can look at yeah, it whenever yeah. you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what 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 is the what was the like, I'm gonna go through some questions. Yeah, that. sure. So what was the most popular the video you make these video uh, things in the past couple of years? Whenever it doesn't have to, whatever time period. Like which one was the most popular? Actually, it was like one that I, I don't want to like toot my own horn, but it was the one Los Angeles one. The real things Los Angeles was popular, but the most popular one was like a really short piece of content that I wrote, which was. How Larry Heard made House Deep. Oh, well, Larry Heard is the 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 king of it, it all. It also says like Deep House in the title. In it's the just hashtag. a U- it's a YouTube friendly title. Uh-huh. And and uh, to Ra's credit, for many years I just reviewed whatever the fuck I wanted, and I was able to do that. Yeah. Only. Only recently has it been a little more like, well, who's going to read that? Are you sure? Like. I have to like make a case for it. If if well, it's there's a, there's a lot of stuff right now. There's there's a, a ton of stuff. There's there needs to be some filter and and yeah, but it's it's hard too because there then there's this like anti gatekeeper thing, so you have to like pretend that you're not a gatekeeper but you are. So it's like uh, it's a hard 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 way to hard time you know. I mean, it might be good to ask these questions. You you're know, you're a gatekeeper. You're a DJ. You're, that means like I don't play very much. <laughs> But you play you play every week. No, nah, it's not about me, man. No, <laughs> no I'm I, no, no, not not really. I play like once a month now. But you play every week in public. 
at least on the radio. On the radio, I yeah, do yeah, yeah, radio yeah. every week. Yeah. But that's that's totally. Uh, it's not. I just play records that I stole from my work <laughs> every week. But if you were forced to play new records, then you would be a, a gatekeeper. I played all new USB stick this week. Yeah, all promos. So you there know? you go, and you were a gatekeeper in that instance. Yeah, a filter. Yeah, is, is, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's that's the best you can hope for, especially in an instance where most people can listen to the music. So so uh, so we, we need to change that thing. That gatekeeper is is a negative thing. It, it's a filter. Some somebody has some taste somewhere that you trust. You know, you got your your friend that uh, whoever it is. You know, like the bartender or the whoever puts on the music. You trust them. Yeah, and you can ask, and and hopefully it translates to journalists or or, or uh, whoever you know DJs. Yeah, I mean, like that's the way that I look at music journalism. Where honestly, if I see a review by uh, somebody who I don't think knows about music, <laughs> then I'm going to be just anywhere. I'm not talking about RA specifically. Like I'm 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 going to say that like oh well. I'm going to be like, I read the review and they're talking about like how great, uh, I don't know, Panic at the Disco is or something like that. I'm going to be like, well, this person's credibility in my eyes is not, this isn't the person that I trust as my filter. Yeah. So I think that, you know, if, if I listen to you play new records or I listen to somebody's radio show all the time, then you're trusting them as a filter. Yeah. And I think, like, in in this era when you can basically listen to clips of most records that you'd buy, at least. Um, Instantly. Yeah. Then, like, the only... The purpose of the journalist is to provide context. Like, um, and to be, like, a filter that's similar to similar to a dj or something who's i mean so what what who are the big ones now like i mean you would think like a classic one would be like john peel or somebody like that um you know are there like some modern day people that you would trust is it is it is it djs now or is it just uh, like where has it gone to like what are who are are the filters like it it almost seems like it's a a spotify algorithm you know it's like what do i trust personally yeah or or you maybe both you know what do you, what do you trust and what do you think uh, is is affecting the people mm. um personally like i've been enjoying certain journalists like uh radio shows like a lot of no, but online but who, radio who are the certain journalists what journalists do i really like yeah. that like turn me on to new yeah, music yeah, yeah. um well, maybe you, if you actually like the people to be like 100 percent honest like in terms of new stuff like it would be mailers from record stores so it's the low company mailer from london okay. I, I really like this their is taste. john ty low low recordings uh no it's like low company it's like oh. a record store in london and it's it's like run by the people who did that label blackest ever black. Oh, okay, then no, I don't know. And they just cover a lot of like really bizarre private press stuff, and some techno, but like a lot of so, post. So this is going to this is a record store mailing list. A record store mailing list. Okay. So low company, and then two bridges, in 
you know that guy Simon yeah. who runs the store like I think he does a good job of just being like here are five interesting things from this week and then typically you can go like listen to them on Bandcamp or something like that mm-hmm. and then in terms of DJs like people like uh, Nose Drip in Belgium like I feel like he plays a lot of new stuff and he, a has lot some, of he has some label yeah his label Stroom. yeah that yeah. dude put out really good stuff yeah too, yeah so like certain like it's more like especially with labels like doing a mix of old and new stuff they end up being like a filter as well so i'm sure like you're the same way but you're constantly discovering old music as yeah, well as yeah. new music and you do it yourself but why do, why do you think those two are, are better at it than others um I think because they have a lot of investment in what's going on in the sense that where Simon from Two Bridges is figuring out how to distribute these records in the U.S. Um, Like he's gone so far as to like figure out how to ship the records from Europe to the U.S. He believes in them enough to like put them in this tiny store in Chinatown. And then he will still be negative about the record sometimes like in the mail or he'll be like yeah skip skip that track though but like the rest of it's pretty cool yeah and it's just like it just comes across as very honest okay and then the low company people they're just like they just have like really good taste but it's like a little bit like cool taste like where it's like we like deconstructed punk and noise and like maybe some like new yeah i don't know Br- british people are like good at it i don't know what <laughs> they like invent- you think they're too in- slick no they i don't know they feel like they like invented music journalism they're like have, have the most time they do have a way of speaking about music that like they've like a put i don't know i feel like like that hardcore hardcore continuum are you familiar with that no, at all like no. it's like simon reynolds the music journalist like just wrote about um how hardcore translated to like drum and bass and two-step and garage 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 no, I don't in like this very like eloquent way um <laughs> but yeah like uh so you, so you get pretty deep into the music journalism you're you're uh, you're, you're you read it i I'd, I'd actually say that but it's not even that's not what even i journalism. just told you it's not even journalism no it's, it's a, but yeah. this that's like your pr background you're like appreciating this like good uh promotional emails <laughs> which is but it's interesting but but i think it's cool because it goes back to like that's where stuff is actually selling like i keep saying is like you know you have this thing like records don't sell anymore you know it's just hype you know it doesn't matter how popular it does on the internet it might not translate to record sales and i feel like real record fans are just reading like rub-a-dub reviews yeah, or man. whatever you know like they they look at the new releases at clone and uh, they're like, okay, I like this. And those are the people that are going to continue to buy records. Yeah. Versus the whatever the other stuff is. I I mean, I agree with you. And maybe that's like a very old school way of looking at it. But like... There must be some new wave but that we're not privy to. But The new wave is like Bandcamp and, and yeah. like insane Bandcamp digging. But so, so are these people like on Bandcamp, I know like when you sell stuff, it has like the people who bought it like under it their little pictures they like click on it there's and a see what element. else see what else yeah. they bought can you write messages to each other i guess you can but there's no like public forum on bandcamp is there i think that maybe there's users, like a users are informed 
an interesting thing about it is users are informed when you buy something when somebody else buys something because they looked at their profile oh i didn't know that so i know like djs who are like oh this other dj just goes through every week and buys everything that i buy <laughs> and then they play it in their set you know oh yeah biters biters i mean i mean that that used to be just like a, it, it was just a little bit later in the cycle you know like you play with this person every week and they hear you play it and then they play it the next week. Who are some of those people? I don't know. <laughs> They're around here. <laughs> They're around. We're about to get really bad. Let's <laughs> not, we're not, we're not going to get too terrible. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's a, we could probably, uh, I don't, is there, in, should we go on? I don't want to get too crazy. You know, you have a job to keep and, well, and uh, basically it's also not good. Like, as, as we said before, like, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. Well, I think I've been, like, fairly honest in, yeah, yeah. in answering your questions. I haven't, I haven't like, towed the company line, per se. But, like, the only thing that I can say about it, and maybe this is something that I should say at the conclusion, but as is obvious from, like, the story I told, I never, um, I never set out to be a music journalist. And I think I'm very lucky to be in the position that I'm in. And... Um, they give you health insurance? Yes. Jeez. And if you if you make a record or, you know, Jessica makes a record or um, John makes a record or whoever and they send it to me to review, no matter what I do, <clears throat> if I listen to the entire catalog like over and over and try to like make sense of it, what I do does not compare to like the blood and sweat no. and time that goes into like actually making a good record i'm not saying like some like sometimes it takes five minutes <laughs> yeah no i mean obviously it takes five minutes but that doesn't yeah. include the uh yeah the training yeah so so like basically like i view like my position is like i'm i've always been primarily like a music fan yeah, whether well, it's playing music or reviewing music it's all like the extension of the same thing well to i mean me. you wouldn't exist without the musicians you know or you yeah. would exist but the ra wouldn't exist without musicians well, neither would djs you know yeah <laughs> i mean we could get yeah we could get pretty pretty uh negative real fast if we want <laughs> i'm not trying to get negative no i'm I'm, just I'm, like, yeah. I'm trying not to yeah because it, it's there it's really a, a pointless thing but i is there any other what other uh can you think of anything that, that uh, you w you wanted to bring up before we, we end this? Because maybe we've been going almost two hours now. Two hours. Yeah. Well, and we were going to talk about being in the uh, playing with a uh, acclaimed folk musician. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, we gotta we have to we have to put that part of this in and more. Besides, we've been talking. We've been focusing on on only one aspect of your of your uh, your life now, and uh, you're uh, uh, you're in a band. Well, you're you're not even really in, you're. I don't know if it's a band, but you're you're hired to play the piano, the keyboard parts. Yeah, synth and keyboard, and I wrote some of them as well. You wrote the parts or the songs? This the parts, and and uh, the songs. So you're this you're writing for a woman named Jessica Pratt, and and uh, or you're not writing for her, but you're in the band for her, and uh, she's sitting right here too. So yeah. just just a full disclosure. <laughs> But she's not. She's not gonna make eye contact with me, so it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, so you're you're touring with her, and she she writes the songs generally, and you're coming up with some parts with them. Are are the are you part of the recording process too? Or are you, or maybe not the earlier stuff? 
No, not the first two records. Basically, Jessica and I also met at Amoeba. Oh, yeah. When we were both employees there. She was working there, too. Yeah, she was working there. Oh, wow, I didn't yeah. know that. If I didn't work at Amoeba, nothing Your would life would be over. <laughs> <laughs> I would be an uh, insurance adjuster. You'd be writing. You'd be working for nonprofits, doing evil things. No, I'd be going to the store and trying to like bus companies on, like sharp CD cover edges. <laughs> um, so, so you, but I, so, so at my question, what I really this is the moment that I would like to be explained is like she probably has like some hits from her earlier albums. That's correct. And you're like adding these like background um, stuff to them. Like, do, do the what do you think the fans think about that? Are they bummed you're like up there with her? It's like some dudes that are like totally in love with her and like they're like, Who's this dude playing keyboard on my on my shit? Or like so Um I mean that's that's a concern. That? That's a concern for sure. <laughs> like I, I think that What does she tell you? Does she give you any advice like stay in the background or like play quiet or I'd like to be in the background, you know? Like I actually like when we line up no, at every not. show yeah you're going you go I'm, I'm i'm like jessica can you move move forward a couple inches you're back i can't i can't be in front of no, you no no yeah you're tell ba- her that you're back line yeah yeah exactly like i'd rather be like completely in the background but it's honestly been i i think jessica's music is amazing and i um i was involved in the recording of the last record mainly in um mainly in an advisory sense, like, this sounds good, like, yeah, you should go with that. And then uh, because I was playing, I sort of started playing live with her on an emergency basis um, because promoters were expecting two people and as opposed to one. Well, because what the tracks had some uh, multi-track stuff. Because she had toured with accompanists in the past. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... I s- we started out that's how it started essentially i was like well maybe i could put something together you just hold down like a c chord or something yeah you know just like uh <laughs> and then um and then it became a little more like i'm writing parts for these songs so we can play them live and some of those parts made it onto the, the record so like i'm on three tracks on the record um but what you say about like people who have been like huge fans of jessica's forever yeah. and yeah. it's like oh there's this like new guy up there like fucking around with yeah. Yeah. synths and stuff like what's, stay what's in the up? background man. yeah yeah but but it's also like make sure that you don't play anything that would get in her way yeah yeah yeah, yeah. or that would make it worse no but i mean I'm, i i've known I've, i don't know you guys super well but I, i've seen you over the years and you still seem to get along pretty well so it must be going okay she doesn't, she didn't, she doesn't, she still hangs out with you. I mean, she hung out through our entire uh, four hour long conversation. Yeah. Well, yeah, I got air conditioning. It's not <laughs> that, it's not that bad. Uh, no, I mean, that's like a great test. It's like we, we've uh, played maybe 40 shows this year in Europe and the U.S. Are there or maybe 50. Have you had a screaming match? No. No, no. screaming. That's yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. Like, and I think that's like a <laughs> testament it's probably like due to her being conflict adverse though, you know? Like I'm I'm like a I'm a person who occasionally has has the occasional argument, but uh <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's been a really nice thing and and it's also nice because I see like all my techno friends on t- 
tour yeah. as well. Like they come to the show, they seem to enjoy it. Yeah. Like and that's like the best thing about being able to do it is just like seeing your friends in yeah. other cities. And that's the best thing with like like no, but I don't see for me I don't even it's not separate, it's like music friends. Yeah. You know, like totally. all the scenes should be together and, and it's weird that they're not. But I like I like what you were saying earlier about um just wanting everything to be together and yeah. and that's like the initial parties I threw that had DJs at them was sort of the same concept. Yeah, you have a band and yeah, some like, DJs after. Yeah, yeah, and like I I I really love that. And um yeah, I'm a lot of times when I think about music like there will be like I've really enjoyed like mixes where it's like a real music head playing like a dance music person like playing guitar music yeah. or something like that and i i've i've tended to see like less and less in genre i n- i noticed i i i did my radio show this week i did from the usb i noticed that uh i went through promos like for four or five hours and i noticed that and you know when you do that you're it's a split between reissues and new music and i noticed that the stuff that caught my ear recently had a rock element to it Mm-hmm. and uh I, I hope that that's a trend to me like this whatever this weird thing it seems kind of like a flash in the pan to me this whole like whatever electro then jungle drum and bass and this like gabber like it's, uh, i don't even know any, yeah. uh, nobody really like that ever <laughs> like electro is cool if you listen to like scorpio or something you know but n- i don't know no one that wasn't like a popular thing mm-hmm. and uh, drum and bass is so macho it's weird and, like you're gonna get like girls at your party, you know, like Yeah. Um, I guess like people are focusing on like the ninety four Yeah. Like I, I hope it goes to the rock thing a little bit next or at least, you know, that you can have a band play like you know what uh, you know, like what you said before, Happy Mondays or something yeah, like that. Yeah. It's like acid house band or I don't know, we'll see it have you noticed like you're on the cutting edge or whatever supposedly of the promo list and the is there like a new thing coming that you see on the horizon or is it just the cycles are so quick now that i don't have any i have weird i don't actually think the cycles are that quick in electronic music now uh like as compared to like rap music or something yeah. where like today's biggest star like yeah they got like three weeks yeah man like becomes like they'll have trouble following up their big single um i think electronic music is moving slower than that um whereas um you know, like trance and progressive, like a cool version of progressive house or like kind of like back a little bit. Um, Tribal. I mean, I I do like the, the trend where people are playing slow. I think that, I, I mean, I think that that's just because that like appeals to me personally. Because you're getting old. Yeah, I think that's, <laughs> I think that's probably it. But like, um, you know, I like that people can like, get out there and like play a dance floor set at like 105 100 right uh, now uh, and and I, I think i think the reason i think that's interesting is because like the more restrictions that you have on on music that you dj or you make where it's like okay like straight down the middle like 120 125 128 like um the more like the less the more you're like likely to fall into conventions and stuff like that. But I mean, I, I, it's weird to me. Like I, 
I'm really into SoundCloud lately for some reason. It like got so much better lately because it seemed like everybody left. Mm-hmm. And you know, sometimes you go to these mixes and and it's like uh, you can just predict exactly what it's going to be. Like it's like couple of you know start off with some ambient thing and then slowly build into this thing and couple african songs <laughs> and then like a little breakbeat thing and some house but it all sounds the same and they're like trying to pay, play different genres it's so weird i don't uh, that's I don't, like i don't know where i'm going from this i think this that's is, people like trying to uh like imitate your boy Hooney, you know like yeah. people like that like who, who yeah, do that the, very the, well so like a wannabe deck mantle festival set I mean, there is something to be said for the uh, the prevailing, like, good taste. Yeah. Where it's, like, everything is in such good taste these yeah. days, yeah. you know, where it's, like... And I, I think I I play records as well, and, like, I, I DJ. Yeah. Like, I try to separate... I try to, like, keep that pretty low-key due to writing about dance music. <laughs> um, but... I fall into that as well, where it's like I'm going to play this spiritual jazz thing into this ambient thing into like this like. But but why movie. is it why is it that some people can do it and it's okay and, and some people like Hooney can do it for some reason it's like cool you know. I think he's just been doing it for a while. Except for when he plays Latin, I always get mad. He's like, <laughs> so weird when he plays Latin. <laughs> like what sort of Latin? Music? I don't know. I just uh, he has this. Weir- uh, he goes into like a little. I, maybe I haven't seen him play in so long. I don't know. I, I would maybe I'm just being a jerk. I Check out the Hooney release on WT Records. Oh, it's a nice one. Yeah. Um, Stole it from Prince Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> Why can some people do it? Because they're good at it. They practice he, it. Like I mean, whatever. Uh, for him, knowing him for so long, I know that guy listens to a lot of music and he cares and he likes it. And I think that it shows, you know. Yeah. Some people are doing it just because they want to be the DJ at that festival. It's not because they're playing music and like sharing it for people well you know uh like tom cox like an infamous hater on the internet once said to me like um it used to be that you would dj because you had a lot of music and like at some point it became like you acquired music because you wanted to be a dj you know yeah like and yeah Yeah. i think that i I mean i I was thinking about this today uh, when I was walking around, I was like, it, it doesn't matter how good you are now. It, it, matter, it matters your draw. Like, if you can get people to come out, uh, then you're going to play more. That's and, always been how it is. Yeah, though. so, I mean, it's that's one of the... It's a factor, and it's just how it is. It's not, like, good or bad. But, you know, if if you're also good, then it helps, you know. I don't, I'm, I don't know. I, I, I was thinking about it today. I was like... It does, you know, there's a lot of people that are really good DJs and they don't play very much. But, you know, these young people that have tons of friends and, and you know, they go out all the time and they meet everybody. They're going to play all the time because their friends will come to the party. And if you're getting mad at them, you got problems, you know, <laughs> like they're That's that's how it works. You know, they're young people that socialize and like people like me, like I don't go out. I don't support, you know, like I, I did, but not anymore. So like those people are gonna get the gigs, not me. Like, and if you're mad about it, then hmm, eh, eh. too yeah. ba- too bad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems like you've like come to a good place. Yeah, that's why I'm podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> Do 
But at least you know when you get booked, like it's only for the music, you know. I don't know. Yeah, it's not for yeah. my draw. You know, <laughs> <laughs> not like bringing out three thousand people. Yeah, but I think that from the lowest level to the highest level, it's like sort of a popularity contest, and especially if um, yeah, it's for sure, and our all art. Yeah, and 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 if people are to extend that, if people are like just like searching on Bandcamp for the same music from like the same new labels and playing that like their sets aren't going to be like drastically different oh, either. Well, that's probably way better than just playing the promos you get sent. Oh yeah, totally. But I respect you going through all your promos. Yeah. I mean, yeah. some, you got to do it sometimes because yeah. there's a lot of good, or, but it's not just when I say promos, I also have a lot of, I've been doing this for a little while and I have a lot of friends that are involved and they also really like music and they send me stuff. That's your filter, man. So I get to hear. A, I got a lot of cool stuff sent to me, you know. Me but, too. But then you also have these emails. You're like, oh, luxurious problems, you know. These, but you get th- these but emails with these free it, but music. It, che- it cheapens music somehow. It's like, well, you're just gonna give me everything you have for yeah, free. Yeah, I will say this. I don't. Um, I don't think of digital music as a commodity yeah. in any way, yeah. and I don't really uh, respect it as a commodity. Yeah. Like I, I think about my record collection, and like I buy too many records, and I try to. But you, you don't buy music on the internet or digital. I, I do occasionally, but I don't like. I don't have like a meticulously organized digital collection. Yeah. It's all a mess, you know, and and I'll probably lose it at some point. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. Like it's it's not. That's not like a crushing thing to me to lose all my MP3s or waves or something, yeah. you know. Like that, it's it's more ephemeral to me. Yeah, you got to have a product still. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, and that's a thing that I, maybe it's just because I'm not touring, but I've pretty much only been playing records lately, just because I don't know. It's easy. It's, it became easier again or something. It's like because yeah. I love so it when you play there, records. There's so much, so much uh, digital. That it's hard, you know, and then you're then you end up playing the same stuff because you're like, these are my ten favorite songs. I'm mm. just gonna play them. But with records, you're like, oh, I just got this, so I'm gonna play it. You're gonna like give it a try at least, yeah. you know. You, so was, I don't know. It's but mm, but then it, it, you're competing with these people that have their sets perfectly uh, beat matched, you know, you know, and they're like no mistakes. It's they so have their like cue points and yeah, like yeah. notes and stuff. I mean, it's cool, but like, dang man, it's weird. It's weird. It's nice to hear a bad mix, you know. <laughs> we don't we don't have any more wine. I got some weird like ginger drink that we can drink that. Um we we I think we've covered pretty pretty good uh spectrum. We went over two yeah. hours even with the bathroom break. Well um and uh, I hope uh you didn't say anything you regret and you, and you No, not not d- at all. Don't lose your job or anything. Yeah, I mean I, I have a I think like we talked about a few things and one of them was like obviously like I tried to be as honest as possible while while no, still I understanding I yeah. that uh yeah. And and yeah, I appreciate yeah, you. It's, uh, it's careful. You got to be careful as a music journalist. Journalist, a target, a target on you. Got to watch out. Yeah, <laughs> that's the answer to that. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing you can say about that. But uh, um, Matthew McDermott. Uh, what's your middle name? Edwin. Matthew Edwin McDermott. <laughs> Thank you very much. You should use it when you write. Oh yeah, it's you know, a, like it's a, a, it's a good name. Like yeah. like lended and. But aristocratic Edwin's flair. not in the Bible, is it? No, Edwin is Who's not in the Edwin? Bible. Edwin is my father and my grandfather, actually. So instead of being a third, you, you got a, a biblical... A biblical name and a generational middle name. 
Are you the oldest? I am. Okay. So that's why that's why it took me so long to get into cool music. I so didn't have like a cool <laughs> older a cool brother. Sister no like no gatekeeper. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So um Matthew Edwin McDermott, thank you um for coming by and uh, I, I hope it was okay for you. Oh, it's my pleasure. I hope uh it's it's really an honor to be here. And I got some weird ginger drink we can have in the other room. <laughs> All right, thanks everybody thanks. for listening. Thanks guys.